We come to this season of the year, we think about the death of Christ, and we've been focusing on the last week of his life, what happened to him just before he died. And we are in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22 today. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 22 for our text. <coughs> we'll add in a couple more as we go along. You don't have to know me very long before you find out that Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I love the decorations, I love the music, I love the trees, I especially love the family gatherings. And Christmas to me also represents pleasant memories, brings back many memories. Singing Christmas carols around the piano when my mother played, my brother and sister sang along. I remember eating peanuts in the shell for Christmas dinner. Or the last time my mother was able to cook Christmas dinner. Or the only family reunion we ever had in our whole lives where the whole family actually gathered was in Christmas 1991. Or the Christmas after my parents had both died, my wife and I decided to surprise everyone and we secretly set up my parents' house with a 16-foot Christmas tree. Now, that's as big as this one. That's a big one. <laughs> and we revealed the secret on Christmas Eve to the family. We all danced a Norwegian dance around the Christmas tree. So many memories to treasure. So many decorations to enjoy. So many giant Christmas trees. So many songs to sing. And yet, at the beating heart of Christmas lies one wonderful fact. God came to earth and was born in Bethlehem's manger. Hark the herald angels sing, right? Glory to the newborn king. Seems only fitting that such a wonderful birth should inspire singing and celebration. And dancing and joy and such love and family ties, such beauty and preparation. When I consider it all and I look back and I fondly remember, all I can think is this. I can't wait till next year. <laughs> As we read our text today, it's very clear to us that the same feelings of celebration and joy, and family, and worship, and preparation, and anticipation center around the Jewish holiday called Passover. And what we call Passover week, that is the week before Christ died, beginning Sunday morning, would have been the beginning of the celebrations of Passover. Family reunited that week. Decorations abound. Special meals are planned. And each day the excitement and anticipation grows. And finally, Thursday of that week is actual Passover day. Now last week we saw Jesus in the temple on Tuesday. He had ridden a donkey into Jerusalem on Sunday. Monday he cleansed the temple of its marketplace and all the thieves who ran it. And Tuesday he was challenged by the spiritual leaders of the temple. 
and the political leaders of the temple also. But after a tension-filled day, late on Tuesday night, well after dark, Judas Iscariot went back to the temple and offered to betray Jesus into their hands for money at a convenient time. And that's exactly the reason why we have no record of what Jesus did on Wednesday. With Judas planning to betray him, Jesus stayed out of sight on Wednesday. And also Thursday, Judas was treacherous. And Jesus carefully hid any information about his plans from Judas. So sometime Thursday morning, Jesus begins to set things in motion. Luke chapter 22, I begin reading at verse number 7. When the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed, he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you're entered into the city, there shall man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber, and where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. So Peter and John were to go to get the Passover meal prepared, buy what was needed, cook the lamb over an open fire, and they would most likely have to get money for the supplies from Judas Iscariot to buy supplies because he kept the money bag for Jesus and the disciples. And so when Judas asked, so, where are you going to set up the dinner? All they could say was, we got no idea. We're supposed to find somebody carrying water and follow them home and ask permission. So we won't know until we arrive where we're going to spend Passover tonight. And so it was Jesus kept the information from Judas so that they could eat the Passover undisturbed because he knew Judas would betray him at the first chance he got. After dark, on Thursday night, Jesus leads the rest of the disciples into Jerusalem to the place provided, an upper room, large and furnished with tables and benches and plates and bowls and everything needed. And Jesus opens that supper with a very revealing sentence. Luke chapter 22 now, in verse number 15. And he said unto them, With desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus said, I've been thinking. I've been thinking about this year's Passover meal, and I really wanted to eat it with you all. And I couldn't wait. I've been looking forward to it with such anticipation. You see, my friends, Jesus loved Passover. Why? For the same reasons I love Christmas. It's filled with happy memories. 
Jesus had celebrated Passover year after year with Mary and Joseph. And every year, the family of Mary and Joseph, the Bible tells us, traveled to Jerusalem and celebrated Passover there. And Jesus remembers Joseph's careful instructions about each part of the Passover meal. He would take the lamb and say, here's the lamb. Like the one that they killed in Egypt the night they left slavery behind and went out free. And he'd pick up the bitter herbs, which was lettuce, and dipped in vinegar. And he said, to help us remember the bondage of Egyptian slavery, we eat these bitter herbs. And Joseph would say, here's unleavened bread. To remind us there was no time for bread with yeast on, they had to get ready to leave. And when the death angel passed over Egypt, the cry went up from the Egyptians in the middle of the night. And the Israelites went free. And Joseph had faithfully explained Passover to his family every year. But when Joseph died, it was the oldest son, that's Jesus, who explained it to all the family after that. Jesus fondly remembered, I'm sure, the first time that he led the Passover meal himself with his mother Mary and the family gathered. Happy memories and family gatherings. So Jesus fondly remembers Passover, and yet he really treasures the spiritual side of Passover, God's promise to leave the Israelites out of slavery into freedom, and God's promise <clears throat> to take them from Egypt into the promised land, and God's power in full display as he did those things. So my friends, Jesus loved Passover, and he tells the disciples, I've been waiting, I've been looking forward to this. I love Passover. Now, Jesus knows he's about to share a meal with his disciples that will become the most famous meal anybody ever ate. And we call it the Last Supper. See it pictured behind me. We call it that because of what Jesus said, verse 16, For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof, until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. His last meal with these 12 men is right there that night. These men who walked with him and talked with him and slept with him and ate with him and traveled with him for the last three and a half years. He's about to sit down to that supper. Now, before we go any further, I want to explain something that we really need to understand. <clears throat> the whole Jewish religion that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, its sacrifices, its priests, its temple, every part of the Jewish religion was meant to foreshadow, or in other words, to explain ahead of time about somebody that was coming. 
as our team class now knows so well, right, team class? Nod your head, yeah. As they know so well, the Old Testament has one overriding theme. Somebody is coming. And the New Testament's theme is that someone came and is here. The Messiah or the Savior was promised for 4,000 years. And the problem would be, how would we recognize him when he arrived? Because we have pictures of him. Symbols of what he will be when he gets here. The altar of sacrifices where animals were slain is a picture of Jesus on the cross. The priests and all the duties that they do are a picture of Jesus who was the mediator between God and man. The Holy of Holies in the temple was a picture of God who you could only approach with blood. The candlestick in the holy place of the temple was a picture of Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. The table with the twelve loaves of bread in the temple was a picture of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the promises of God. And Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Everything in that temple pointed to Jesus. And he walked into the temple. And they didn't recognize him. So they made plans to kill him in any way possible. But there was one more thing left. Passover. And that wasn't celebrated in the temple. That was celebrated at home. Jesus loved Passover. Why? One of the reasons was they celebrated it at home with people that they love. Who? Oh, for Jesus, this time it was going to be his 12 disciples. Now listen to what John tells us about that meal as he explains something for us. Before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them till the end. Jesus is with 12 people that he loves in a private place for a private meal. Each Passover meal had to include enough people to eat one whole lamb with no leftovers. Jesus had 13 men and they could eat one lamb in one sitting. And so it was customary at the head of the household, now this night it, that would be Jesus, would ask questions and give answers and lead the meal. You don't just sit down and gobble everything down like we're used to doing, okay? You explained about the original Passover in Egypt. You explained about the lamb and the blood sprinkled over the doorpost. You explained about the whole meal. And you prayed prayers and you gave thanks to God. Just like Jesus had done many times with Mary and Joseph. 
And all the disciples grew up the same way. I'm sure they all knew it by heart. They knew what they could say. They could have said it themselves. Jesus said it with intensity and compassion. It was meant to be a family meal shared by people who loved each other. And that's why Jesus loved Passover. And then, that night, the main meal ended. They had eaten the lamb and the bitter herbs. And suddenly, something happened that no one expected. The best way I can say it is Jesus went off script. The normal Passover comments, the normal Passover prayers, all of a sudden Jesus ignored them. As the leader of the meal, he said something no one had ever heard before, and everybody stopped. And they stared at him. What did he say? Here's what Jesus said that's so surprised in verse 19. He took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. All of a sudden, Jesus gives the bread a whole new meaning than it ever had before. All of a sudden, we're not talking about Egyptian slavery anymore. Jesus says, we're talking about me. And the hands, he hands them a piece of bread torn off and gives it to them and they're holding it in their hand. And he says, this is my body. And the purpose of me giving you this piece of bread is that you will remember me. And the disciples are dazed. Remember me? He's talking like he's going to die. And so they eat the bread, and I'm sure they ate it slowly. In verse 20, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying the cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Suddenly the wine in the cup also has a new meaning. He says, this is my blood, and it's shed for you. And it makes sense. If the broken bread represents his body, it's only a logical conclusion that the body is broken, that is, it is wounded, and therefore the blood comes out and it is shed. And he says, that's my blood we're talking about, shed for you. And then he says, this is a new thing I'm giving you tonight. It's a new testament, a new agreement. It's a new covenant This is my new promise. So here, in this private setting, in this personal meal, surrounded by people that he loves, he just changed the meaning. And he said something new. And then he looked at him and said, now do this. You do this. I want you to do this to remember me. Now, wait a minute. I thought 
Jesus loved Passover. He just threw it out and started a whole new thing. Well, maybe not exactly. Remember exactly what he said back in verse 16. Here's what he said. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Just like the altar at the temple represents Jesus on the cross, and just like the bread on the table points to Jesus as the bread of life, just like the candlestick points to Jesus, I am the light of the world, so Passover too must be fulfilled, or finally the meaning of Passover will all be explained by what Jesus did. We take a for example. At Passover, the lamb you're going to eat had to be taken to the temple and examined by the priest to make sure it was spotless and without blemish. Jesus fulfilled that on Tuesday when he went to the temple and was questioned and examined and looked over very carefully by the police, by the priests. And they found in him no spot, no blemish, no flaw. They couldn't find any way to trip him up because he was the pure and sinless Lamb of God. And secondly, Passover was a family meal to be shared by family in an atmosphere of love. And Jesus loved his disciples, he said, right to the end. He changed that when he created communion. We call it communion that night. We gather at a communion table because we are family. Paul says we were given a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We've been adopted into God's family and we've become not just friends, but brothers and sisters with Jesus, the older brother, presiding over the communion table. Passover fulfilled in a gathering of God's family at a table. And once again, the first Passover took place after dark. The Egyptians were all sleeping in their beds. But the Israelites are all awake with their shoes on, ready to go in the middle of the night, gathered around their tables. It was a dark night. And suddenly the Bible says, there was a great cry heard in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And that great cry that was heard in Egypt in that dark night meant freedom for the Israelites. And they walked out the door free. Oh, my friends, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was nailed to a cross. It was a dark day when they crucified the Son of God. But at noon, when the sun should have been shining full, the sky, it said, turned dark, and darkness covered the whole earth. For three hours in the dark, Jesus hung on the cross, 
And out of the darkness a cry was heard, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was Jesus crying out in the darkness. And He said, it is finished. And my friends, the moment He cried it, at that moment, we were free. We were free. The bonds of sin no longer hold us. The bands of death were broken. We were set free and death passed over us. And now we have a new meal. It's all wrapped up in that old Passover. God's children gather and He invites you to come to a feast. And the bread is broken for you. And the wine is bloodshed for you. Remember the suffering, He says. The broken bread and the shed blood. But especially the unleavened bread. Leaven was yeast. And yeast, you just put a little bit into the dough and it spreads through the whole dough and ferments, spoils, turns rotten if you let it go. Communion is to be eaten with unleavened bread. No sin in it. No contamination. Jesus was without sin. And so we agree at the communion table To look into your heart, Paul says. Examine yourself before you take it. Ask forgiveness for your sins and then go one step further and abandon it. That's our part in that new Passover. That's our part in that new communion. So Jesus says, come, come. Eat and drink. Join the family. Accept the invitation. Jesus is our Passover. You say, but I'm tired and I'm worn out. And I kind of can't come. Isn't that the very reason to share a meal? For rest and refreshment? To be regenerated? Jesus was the fulfillment of Passover. He kept the idea and He made the meal simpler and easier to understand when He created communion. And if you really want to enjoy communion, remember what He said about the Last Supper. Having loved His own, He loved them till the end. When we take communion, it's essential to grasp the idea Jesus loves you. No matter what, He loves you to the end. That very night, Jesus served the very first communion to his disciples. And one of them was a traitor. Jesus served Judas Iscariot, the first communion, because he loved him. During the supper, Jesus told his disciples, One of you is a traitor. The Bible says they all ask, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And it even says that Judas, who sat next to Jesus, bent over and whispered in his ear, is it me? And Jesus whispered back, yes, it's you. So Jesus because he loved Judas, tried to change his mind. 
But he refused and walked out the door into the darkness and sold Jesus to his enemies for 30 pieces of silver. My friends, Jesus loves you no matter what you've done. He wants you to join his family and come to dinner. Remember him. And in love, he says, come and eat and drink. Or that is, take Jesus like you eat food. Take it, him, into yourself. And join the family. He says he'll love you right till the end. Here's something that Jesus said. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So my friends, that was Jesus' favorite meal. One he loved the best. He decided to share it with you and me. So thank you, Jesus. And I promise Jesus, I'll be there whenever you serve that meal. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did that night, extending to us such a privilege and such a happy thing. We ask you'll help us, Lord, as we come to this season to grab hold of the wonderful things you've done and be part of this family and part of the joy that gathers around that table. Bless us, Lord. Make us what we ought to be, that we might serve you better. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn in your hymn books with me, if you will. Hymn number 241. Standing as we sing, hymn number 241. Draw me nearer to thy precious bleeding side. Standing as we sing, 241. Draw me nearer.
commune is friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace for thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did for us. As we think more about it, we ask that we will take it into our hearts and remember. Never forget what you did. And we'd remember it always and make it a part of our thinking and change our lives. So help us, Lord, as we come to this time of year that you might be deeper inside of us and draw us nearer, we ask, to your precious bleeding side. Bless these people because they've gathered here today and been a part of our service. And give them something special through this week as a reward for coming on this day. We ask your blessing on them and your peace to rest over them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.